Hey friends, welcome to the Ransom Tar Podcast. John Eldridge with Morgan Snyder here this week. We were having a conversation earlier, and this will often happen where just offline, just catching up with one another. How you been? What's new? Somebody will say something, you go, oh my goodness, that needs to be shared. And Morgan, you were just talking about hope and restoration and like if you only knew the outcome of certain things yes it would have shaped how you lived in them differently yes i I just thought like whoa that was so powerful let's go back into that yeah and let's share that with our friends yeah so recently i was on a hunt i took my 10 year old princess abigail and my 13 year old son joshua and it was abigail's first time to join us on a big game hunt and the scene i'm in the plains of Wyoming, the sun is setting. We've just had a full day in the field. The kids are in our little pop-up camper, just laughing and playing. And Sherry is out with Stacy leading a retreat. And we've had several just fabulous days of chasing wild in the field and getting close to antelope and having Abigail with me on the hunt. It was absolutely delightful in an entirely different gear than we had experienced before. And it was very symbolic. She was actually wearing my first camo hunting shirt that I ever bought. Come on. And she's just a princess. She's beautiful with her little blaze orange cap. And where it took me, John, was I distinctly remember before she even existed, before I had children, when I began to hunt, when God started calling me into the woods as part of my initiation, there was so much fear of how's this going to go? Am I going to learn how to become a hunter? And someday I know I'll have kids and I want to take them into the field and initiate them. And there was concern, there was apprehension, there was pressure. Pressure of, I better get this together before I have children, because what if I'm not ready to lead them? And so there were lots of beautiful moments in the woods over all those years, but there was also just this very strong self-imposed pressure. Oh, gosh. Right? The, the night that we all got separated on King Mountain. Oh, my and goodness. The, the fear, the pressure, the darkness. Totally. Like, my first experience of getting truly lost in the wilderness, you know? And now, fast forward, here I am sitting in the plains, having a beer in a camp chair, realizing all is well that there's so much life here and I have grown to now be able to guide my children. And in that moment, I was sharing the story of, had I known that this day was coming, that my kids would be well, Mm. that they would be happy, that I would be inviting them into an abundant place. And I would have lived so much differently in all those micro moments in the process. Mm -hmm. And it took me into all things new in this message because I realize there are certain outcomes we can't control. I don't know what's going to unfold in my life and in my parenting. And yet in the kingdom reality, we actually are told and informed on some outcomes that things will end well. You're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. And so the question to my soul is, how would I actually live differently today if I really believed and trusted and had a growing confidence in the reality of what's to come? I'm so disrupted by this conversation like I was when we first had it because I don't live like that. I mean, in this regard, yes, 
we got through yesterday's problem. Mm-hmm. But today's problem is different. Today's problem has a new face to it, right? It always does. There's, it, there's a new wrinkle. There's a new twist. We got that health thing solved, but now there's this health thing. We got that financial thing solved, but now there's this sudden setback. And each new presenting issue feels different. Yes. Yeah, but this time. Different enough to worry, right? Oh, totally. And instead of living out of a place of, we're good, we're good, we're going to be okay, God I'm going to start from, we're going to be okay. Yes. Now, how do you want me to live in this? Yes. Versus, oh no, we got to, we got to attack this. We got to get on top of it or worry about it. Yes. Or what, you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Just living from uncertainty. Yep. Feels like the constant place of exhaustion the enemy wants to keep us in. Yes. Yeah, but what about this? Yeah, but what about that? What about this new scenario? Yes. You know, your kids had a wonderful childhood, but now they're becoming teenagers. Absolutely. What about that? Absolutely. What about, you know, Joshua's done really great in lacrosse, but now he wants to play football. Yes. What about that? Yes. You see what I'm saying? Yes. It's, it, every new event has enough wrinkle of newness to it, enough yep. change to usher in just a brand new set of, I'm sorry, unbelief. Yes. On my part. Yes. Right? Versus that settled, confident, no, no we're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. Yes. I'm going to start from there. And live into this. Yes. Because when I try that on, that reality of what if, it's going to be okay. What if the outcome is good? I'm so aware, John, of how much I missed. Right. How much I missed. Lacking being present. Lacking being curious as to what is God really up to in this situation? What is he saying? How is he leading rather than, as you're saying, this posture of just solving the next problem, getting out of this jam as though it's up to me? Yeah. Yeah, that's huge. I know, I know in the depths of my soul that this is meant to be the posture of the Christian life, that we start from, you're going to be okay. Mm -hmm. You're going to be okay. Everything is actually going to work out. That literally is the promise of God. I will restore everything to you. The message that we've been trying to communicate through all things new is there is nothing that can be stolen from us now that we are in the hands of God. It's not a universal promise, but now that we are in the hands of God, now that we are his sons and daughters, there is nothing that can be stolen from us that God will not restore. And starting from the place of, I'm, I'm okay. My life is going to work out. I think that this was the secret of the passage, the Last Supper, and how many times we've been in foot washing services or whatever, that this passage gets read. But Jesus, knowing that he had come from the Father and was returning to the Father, got down and put a towel around his waist and got a basin and washed their feet. I think the point they were trying to say was, Jesus knew everything is going to be okay. I know it's going to work out, enabled him to go to the cross, enabled him to live the way he did. And I know that this is meant to come into our understanding in ways that, frankly, it just doesn't for most people. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I want to point out, you know, we don't rehearse these podcasts, so we're kind of free associating our way through it. But one of the things that Dallas Willard tried really hard to get across in his teaching is that your life is not divided into two parts. There's not this life and then 
heaven, mm. that your life is actually a continuity. It is one life. And so Jesus on you know the evening of the Last Supper and Jesus on the morning of Easter, he's the same person and he knows the same people and his life carries on. Like the continuity is there. There wasn't, well, you know, there was his wonderful three lot, you know, years of ministry on earth, but then he went to heaven. That's not actually how scripture wants us to view it. Yes. It wants us to view it that death is no longer this great divide in which you, you have your current life. Yes. And then we all know in our gut that at some point it ends. And then there's some other life. Yeah. Right. And we don't hope for it. We don't think about it. Yes. It's weird, bizarre, misty, vague, you know, and therefore everyone's focus is on this life. Yeah. Right. And so would just to help us by drawing a distinction, if you live as though it is one life with continuity compared to you have this life and then you have some vague thing to come, like how does it shift? Well, because then you can live, like I, I did kind of come down hard on bucket lists um, <laughs> in, in the book. And it was I was just pointing out, nobody's making bucket lists for heaven. I literally have never met a human being mm, in, mm. in my 30 plus years of being a Christian. I've never, ever met a committed, deep disciple follower of Christ. Never met one who had bucket lists for the coming kingdom. Mm. We make them for now. And because the bottom line is everybody thinks this is it. We really do. Like, it's not a continuity. I have my life right now that's precious to me. I want to get the most out of it I can. Because then there's this other thing, which I'm told will be wonderful, but it's so beyond my comprehension, mm. it doesn't feel wonderful. I just trust that it will be, right? But the difference is this. If your life is actually a continuity, there's no change. Dallas said, many people will die, and they'll be quite surprised to realize that they had. They, like, they won't even realize mm. that they had died, because it, you're, you don't die. Death's been taken away by the resurrection of Christ, and your life carries on. And, and if you knew, oh my goodness, well, in a few years, really a very short span of time, given my unending life, my forever life, I get everything I ever dreamed of. I'm good. I'm fine. I'm restored. I'm whole. Yes, the difference is dramatic. Mm. It's absolutely dramatic because you know, I'm going to be okay. Yes. And therefore, though the losses I experience here hurt, they're not devastating. Yes. That's one thing. You go from hurt, but not devastated. Yep. But you also, you're free. You are free to not put so much pressure on this vacation, this ministry event, this thing that you care so much about. It's not so much pressure on your kids yes. because you know it's going to be okay. Yes. I really think this was this was actually meant to be Jesus's assurance to us. Yes. It's going you're going to be okay. Yes. Your life is going to be completely and totally restored. And I'm going to restore the earth that you love and we're just going to carry right on. Yes. We're going to carry right on. That fascinating moment in the Mount of Transfiguration where the disciples see Moses and Elijah mm -hmm. talking with Jesus, right? Like there they are, and they're just chatting, right? Like continuity of existence. Yes. Their lives are not over. Yes. They're still here. Moses is still here. Yes. Elijah's still here. They're still going on. Apparently close friends with Jesus yes. because they're having a conversation with him. You see the normalcy of it? Like the continuity. Yes. Really think most people are stuck in no. It's this life, and then the thing that everybody calls death. Yes. And that's it. Yes. 
And then there's heaven. Yes. Right? And that's so vague, it doesn't engender hope. So I've corrected what I've been saying about bucket lists. So (laughs) now what I'm saying is just make them really long. Like make them. Yes. I'm not against them. Make them, but make them with the reality in mind of you will learn to play the cello. Mm -hmm. I'm embarrassed that I personally don't speak another language. It's so American. I I speak one language. I want to learn other languages. You will. Mm. So go ahead and make your bucket list, but make them with the idea in mind that there is a continuity of existence. Yes. You, like really gang, like you actually literally will play the, you know, cello if that's your dream. I'm not making a metaphor of, oh, won't heaven be wonderful? Yes. No, you're the continuity of existence. What I hear you saying, John, is dreaming and lifting the constraint of it must happen in this world. Well, Morgan, to your story, here's the, here's the point is, I don't know how many things I've lived through in the last 20 years Yes. where if I had known the outcome yes. from the start, I would, I would have lived very, very differently in those things. I, I Honestly, the disappointments, the setbacks, the frustrations, the fears, fears for my kids. And, you know, our kids went, all of them went through hard times and every single one of them went through a really hard time in high school. You know, the, the pain that you feel as mm-hmm. a parent and, oh my gosh, how are they, they going to turn mm-hmm. out? And if I would have known, yes, I would have lived so differently. Okay, so by way of example, on our kids and on high school, we happened to have lunch yesterday, and we were chatting about our kids. And in, uh, I think it's chapter three of All Things New, you tell this poignant story of Luke and his graduation from high school, and you titled it, What If? Okay, I'd love to just go to that story by way of example because of the conversation we had yesterday. Would you be willing to just read a paragraph? Sure. So, what if? Let me take you back now to the last cup of tea, Luke's parting, and the ending of our family's childhood era. It was the Saturday of his high school graduation. We'd been through two others before, and we knew the ritual well. I believe in rituals. They are the last signposts left in a culture of impermanence. But as we sat in the bleachers, unable to stop the unfolding ceremony, watching Luke slowly approach the stage in cap and gown, I was on the brink of sobbing shamelessly. And and here's what I say, because this is what was going on in my heart. How is this not just loss? My heart cried to God. Tell me, how is everything not lost? just loss. At that moment, everything felt like loss. And let me pause and say, gang, because it's the impermanence of things. It, it, even the best of moments comes to an end. Your career comes to an end. Your ministry comes to an end. Your marriage comes to an end. Your, you know, if you have a fabulous, wonderful vacation, it comes to an end. And it was that that I was feeling. Mm-hmm. I was just aware of the end of all things. Everything just comes to a close. And And that's why I said, how is everything not just loss in the end, Jesus? And here's what he said. Jesus replied immediately, oh, John, nothing is lost. Now, some of you may have experienced in a sermon or during personal Bible study or perhaps in a time of prayer or in a counselor's office, the ability of Jesus to communicate an entire concept in a single moment. You have a revelation. 
the creator of our mind and soul, can give to us a sweeping understanding as if by transfusion. So if I put into words the revelation given to me in that moment in the 42nd row at an ordinary high school commencement, Jesus showed me something like this. When the kingdom comes, my dear heartbroken friend, nothing that was precious to you in this life is lost. No memory, no event, none of your story or theirs, nothing is lost. How could it be lost? It is all held safe in the heart of the infinite God who encompasses all things, held safe outside of time in the treasuries of the kingdom, which transcends and yet honors all time. This will all be given back to you at the restoration, just as surely as your sons will come back to you. Nothing is lost. And I go on to report the effect was nearly instantaneous. I went from desolate parent saying goodbye, not just to our last child, but to an entire era, to a beloved son who's just been given a sneak preview into the Christmas morning that will come upon all the earth. I underwent a complete emotional transformation. All time had stopped in the moment before that moment, and now I was completely fine. My body relaxed back into the chair like a man who's just set forth on a Caribbean cruise. I wanted to shout out, you can carry on. I'm good now. <laughs> Nothing is lost. I really think that this is meant to work its way into our being. It's meant to work its way into our souls. Yes. And I'm surprised, Marks, we did a lot to talk to our friends uh, and our followers about this. We put out some small films. We did kind of a TED Talk thing we did online, Facebook Live stuff, the uh, Facebook Live book group I've been doing, which you can still obviously get on and, and watch and participate in on Facebook. But I'm just surprised at the number of people who, frankly, they're just not interested. Mm. And, and you know, we just went through the California fires not that long ago, and massive, sweeping mm. devastation, thousands of homes lost. Yes. And as I was watching the vineyards burn, and I just thought, if you don't have Isaiah, what do you have? I was thinking of the passage of when it's describing the coming kingdom right here on this earth in an unbroken existence and a continuity of things. Isaiah saw it, and he said, they will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. And I was looking at the vineyards burning, you know, mm. on the news several weeks ago, and, and it was like so clear to me, that's it. Like, if you don't have that, everything is just lost. Right. And so here's what I was afraid of for myself and for, and for our followers. I, I'm like, John, don't make God have to take things from you. Mm so that you release your grasp. No one's embracing this hope. I mean, that's not fair. Many people are embracing this hope, but the, the number of people that we've reached out to versus the number of people that have responded it, it is so micro, it's just, it's just staggering. The number of Christians who just don't have time because they're totally, utterly, completely caught up in this world. Right, to make life work here. Utterly, totally, completely caught up in now. And to try and offer this message of, hey, 
there's a hope called the anchor of the soul and we're meant to take hold of it. And it was just a revelation of, oh my goodness, I guess people just have to experience sweeping loss to be ready to hear the hope that is the anchor of the soul. I wish it weren't so. Mm -hmm. I, I wish it weren't that way. But unless we seem to open our hearts to it, yes. right? Well, John, as I listen to you, I think what I'm reminded of is hope is a very dangerous and even damaging proposition if, in fact, the outcome is not good. In other words, wow. if say that I, again. That hope is a is a very dangerous and even damaging proposition if the outcome is not good. When you say, why won't people hope? Well, I find in my own heart, I go, it's too risky. It's mm. too risky to open myself up. But what I've been brought back to through God in all things new in this message, as you say in, in it, I love it when you say, you remind us, I'll let you in on a little secret. Our heart is made for the kingdom of God. And this might be the most important thing anyone will ever tell you about yourself. Our heart is made for the kingdom of God. And if that's true, then there are, there are hopes that we may not realize in this world, but the gospel gives us a lifeline and an anchor for our soul for something that we can be so sure of that we can allow it to inform our moment-by-moment decisions today and the question to me and to us and to all of our allies is, mm. how would that change things, really? Can, can we live from the outcome? Yes. Can we start, like if you'd have known that you'd be sitting in that camp chair, enjoying this sweet moment with your kids, if you'd have known that was coming. Exactly. How much would that have changed, right? Exactly. Like, can we live from the outcome yes. into this life? Right, or yesterday we were talking about Luke in Livia. Now he has this beautiful wife and she's she's radiant and God's moving in her life and you are beaming as yeah. a dad of what God's doing in Luke's role as a teacher right now, just yeah. stepping into an on-time place in his calling. Yeah. Yeah. And and so much fear, like every other parent, so much fear till we got here. Yes. Right. So I guess what we want to do, friends, is just first off let you know this is sure current for us. <laughs> Golly, this is really current for us. I, I actually just experienced some real hard personal news this week, and it, and it really threw me. It threw me. And as I prayed about it, trying to get God to do something about the problem. <laughs> <laughs> to solve the here and now, I, right? I am just so exposed in this. Mm. I, I, it, first off, it threw me, and that says a lot about where I was grounded or not grounded, just some bad news. And, and, and then my prayer is trying to get God to do something about it. Mm. Instead, here's what God does. He, he gives me the daily reading, and the daily reading, literally, I open, I'm, I'm praying and asking God to change my circumstance, and I read this. Another way to begin to seize this hope with a good, firm grip is to ask yourself, what have I done with my kingdom heart? Where am I currently taking it? You have a heart for joy. Where is your hope for joy set right now? You have a heart for redemption. 
where are you taking your heart for redemption these days? You ache for restoration, yours and those you love. Where is your hope for restoration these days? What I'm suggesting is that we need to begin to make conscious, deliberate decisions to give our hearts to the return of Jesus and the renewal of all things. And the point it went on, I'm just busted by, I'm literally looking at my own words and the reading ends with this. Friends, it's as simple as this. If you do not give your heart over to the renewal of all things, you will take your kingdom heart to something in this world. And God was not telling me, I'm going to fix your current problem. Mm -hmm. God was saying, John, buddy, the anchor of the soul, stay there, operate from there. Yes, I care about the things in your life. But the problem is, like, I need you to first get grounded. I need you to get grounded in reality. Yes. And in hope. And then we can work on things together. But we're going to work on things together from the outcome. Yes. Back into your life. Not from uncertainty moving forward into more uncertainty. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Right? That's the difference. We just wanted to share that with you, and one story triggered another as we were chatting at lunch yesterday and and thought you guys would enjoy and and maybe benefit from the conversation. So I know you're busy. I know it. I am too. And I know you're distracted. But if I were you, I'd I'd get the audio of all things new and and listen to it. I'd, I'd grab the book and take it in little pieces. You don't have to sit down and read a book. But if we don't begin to fill our hearts with this, man, then just the next sweeping set, you know, it was Houston and it was Puerto Rico and then it was earthquakes in Mexico City and then it was Las Vegas and then it was the California fires. And like, gang, what are you grounded in? And uh, we want to be the kind of people that are actually able to talk to the world about, let's live from the outcome back into this versus from living from uncertainty into further uncertainty. Yes. You've been listening to Ransomed Heart Podcast with John and Morgan.